This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Property and how hard or easy it is to get into the market is a conversation many Aussies find themselves in at one point or another, but perhaps that is especially true at the moment. With a global pandemic on our hands and our first recession in almost 30 years, some analysts thought that housing prices would collapse, but they're booming. So whilst the topic is hot, this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts will go back to the days of 17% interest rates. We'll look at how that period compares to now and the external things that influence a person's ability to buy a place to call home. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. The property debate is one that comes with a lot of different perspectives. Do you own your own home outright? Do you have a mortgage? Do you own investment properties? Or are you looking to crack the market for the first time? To set the scene, let's set the record straight, Kate, on what home ownership looks like in Australia. So when we look at the most recent census data, that was back in 2016, 67% of households own their own home. 32% of those don't have a mortgage. 35% do. And there'd be all sort of demographic data attached to those stats. Yeah, there's plenty of ways you can slice and dice it. But one notable trend is that the home ownership rate of younger Australians has dropped. So in 1971, 64% of 30 to 34 year olds were homeowners. As of 2016, it was 50%. Which brings us to the great smashed avo debate, Kate. Who can forget it, Simone? (laughs) I think we all know what it is, but for clarity, it's basically the argument put forward by popular demographer Bernard Salt that if millennials stopped wasting their money on expensive brunches like smashed avo on toast, they'd be able to get into the property market. Yeah, and it's a line I've heard countless times myself over the past few months, Kate, as both a millennial and a very, very hopeful first-home buyer. And whenever I mention how hard it is to break the market, I hear, but back in the 80s when we bought, we had 17% interest rates to contend with. There are valid points to be made on both sides, but first, let's unpack what really happened in the late 80s. Basically, what happened is that individuals and businesses were borrowing a lot, the economy became stretched, and a fall in asset prices meant that loans couldn't be repaid. That put a lot of stress on our banks, and that saw economic growth fall, unemployment rise, and with sky-high inflation, interest rates rose also to 17% in June. 1989. They stayed there until March 1990. One of the reasons for that was that the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, was really trying to put a break on things. Yeah, and all of this led to a recession in Australia that was kicked off by two consecutive quarters of negative growth in the economy. It did. And at that time, it was the worst recession Australia had seen since the Great Depression in the 1930s. A lot of people lost their jobs or couldn't break into the workforce. Unemployment reached 11%. About a year later, in September 1990, the economy started to grow again. And it took nearly a decade for those rates to return to pre-recession numbers. That's right. And when interest rates did start to come down, homeowners that survived the 17% interest rate era didn't breathe a sigh of relief and pocket any extra savings. Instead, many decided to upgrade their homes, they bought investment properties, and then there was a housing boom. And where were property prices during this time, Kate? Well, if you look at 1990, when interest rates were super high, the average income was around $27,000 a year and the average cost of a home in an Australian capital city was about $117,000. So whilst interest rates were hefty, loan amounts were mostly nowhere near as high as they are today. That brings us neatly to the next segment, which is a look at the situation for home buyers right now and how it compares. (music) 
We've left the early 90s and we're back in the here and now. Just last month, Australian house prices posted their sharpest monthly increase since 2003. Yep, Aussie house prices rose 2% in February and that's despite a global pandemic, Australia's first recession in almost 30 years, higher unemployment and virtually no growth in wages. In 2020, Aussie homebuyers and investors took out a total of $246 billion worth of new housing loans, Simone. And if you can stick with me on the numbers, that was the third most ever recorded and a substantial jump compared to the $210 billion worth of new housing loans taken out in 2019. Yeah, and that demand has seen an increase in the average national home value, that's units and houses, to more than $728,000. That's a pretty big number when the average annual income is $89,000. So the amount you need for a home deposit relative to income has never been greater. Yeah, so a deposit is one issue and then there's just the sheer amount of debt. So to go back to 1990, the rate of annual debt per household to income was 68%. It's now hovering somewhere around 185%. Most of that, around 80% or so, is housing debt. So whilst interest rates are very low, that debt is manageable, but the only way they can really go is up. So the question is, what if they rise? Well, it means that households will need to devote more of their income towards that debt and less to spending. Hence the avocado toast line. (laughs) So it sounds like it's hard to make an argument about whether it's harder or easier now or not. Seems like the safest bet either side can make is that the difficulty is there for both, but what is making it difficult is very different. Sounds very diplomatic, Simone. Let's go with that. (laughs) One thing we can all agree on is that we wish we knew what was going to happen with property, something we can't ever really know, but we can at least be informed about the factors at play. Let's get into that now. First off, house prices don't look like they'll be cooling off anytime soon, especially in cities like Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, analysis by the Commonwealth Bank on daily property price data, Simone says Sydney house prices will have risen an average of $35,800 in March, whilst Melbourne values will be up $21,000 or so. That will mark the biggest one-month increase since 1984 in Sydney and 1988 in Melbourne. Prices in Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth are also on the rise, and as we know, our regions are on the up also. And there are many factors to explain, Kate, but the RBA's record low cash rate of 0.1% is a major player. The percentage change in rates has accelerated price growth, but it doesn't look like the rate will change anytime soon. Yeah, the Governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, Philip Lowe, has said that in order for rates to move, inflation needs to grow. And for that to happen, wages will also need to go up. And neither of those things have happened for a while. He also said it was up to governments and financial regulators, Simone, to address the concern over soaring house prices, saying there are other ways other than high interest rates that can help. Yeah, and one of those is the banking regulator imposing lending controls. It did that a few years ago when home prices peaked in Sydney and Melbourne. That's right. And then there are things that government does that can have a flow on effect for the property market. Some are direct, like the abolition or implementation of grants. So we're talking things like first home buyer. Others are one step removed, like changes to tax incentives or policies to generate jobs. Those are just a few examples. As for those who support those measures, their concerns are around household debt, as we touched on earlier. They say it's simply too high. But despite this, and back to what the RBA has said, because it's the closest thing we have to a crystal ball, it reckons real estate prices will have to start moderating soon. And they've given two key reasons. One is that for the past year, we've had no immigration, which should have reduced demand for housing. And the second is that a large number of newly constructed properties have yet to come on the market. So maybe some 
some hope for first home buyers there. Like we say, Kate, we'll just have to wait and see. Let's wait and see. It's one of those ones again. And I'm feeling like some avocado toast right about now. Simone, I bet you are. Oh, I could always go for some avo toast. And maybe that's my problem, Kate. Who knows? (laughs) And that brings us to the end of our shortcut on what's going on with property prices. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we give a recommendation on some further reading, listening and watching. Today, mine's from The Guardian. It has a lot of really great graphics that illustrate some of the trends and numbers we've mentioned in this podcast. Yeah, that's a good visual one. Definitely check that out. Mine is a column by Bernard Salt, the smashed avo boomer himself. He wrote this piece a year on from the piece he wrote about smashed avocado. It's about the reaction to it. It's worth a read. It's behind a paywall, but see how you go. Yeah, I'll pop a link to both of those in your episode notes. And that's another Squeeze Shortcut down. If you have a request, shoot it through to us at hello at thesqueeze.com.au. We had a request come through for Taiwan recently, and I can confirm that's in the works. So keep a lookout for that one. Until next week. Mm-hmm.